Hello, hello, and welcome to Non-Technical, where I, your host, Alexis Gay, interview influential folks from tech, media, business, and beyond about everything except their resumes. Today on the show, I'm so excited to say we have Eric Newcomer, author of the wildly popular newsletter, Newcomer, though he's done a lot of other super impressive, really interesting things prior to that, which admittedly, I'm not going to ask him that much about. Eric, thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. It'll be super interesting. I feel like I'm the person at the party who's like, when can we talk about work? So excited to be on the (laughs) podcast where it's like, no, we're not talking about work. There are other interesting things about you. Yes. Can you believe? (laughs) (laughs) Are you ready to dive in? Yes, I'm very excited. Hell yeah, let's do it. This episode of Non-Technical is brought to you by Census. With Census, gone are the stress-inducing days of pestering your engineering team to build a custom pipeline to get the data you need. Or worse, trying to hack code yourself to get even one accurate data point. Census is a reverse ETL tool that syncs trusted data from the data warehouse into your CRM or your marketing automation platform, or your advertising platforms, finance tools, and more. The best part of Census? No coding or engineering favors required. With Census's point-and-click UI, you can sync hundreds of thousands of data points from the data warehouse to your tools in minutes. Lightning speed, baby! I so wish we had a tool like this when I was running BizOps at my last tech job, and honestly, I'm guessing my friends on the data science team do too. If you're scaling a product-led growth company or really just any company that has a data warehouse and wants to get data in your business tools without uh, waiting weeks in the request queue, check out getcensus.com slash non-technical. Eric Newcomer was the first employee at The Information. Then he was a technology reporter at Bloomberg for six years, during which he broke news on the fall of Travis Kalanick, including publishing the viral video of the then Uber CEO arguing with an Uber driver. During the pandemic, he quit his job to start a Substack newsletter. That newsletter, Newcomer, now has more than 30,000 readers and more than 2,000 paid subscribers. You can subscribe to get the inside scoop on top investors like Tiger Global and Sequoia Capital. Since going independent, Newcomer has published interviews with Benchmark's Bill Gurley, DoorDash's Tony Hsu, and Founders Fund's Keith Raboy, to name a few. Eric Newcomer, welcome to Non-Technical. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. I was saying to you before that I love all my interviews and my guests equally, of course, but I especially love when I get to sit down with someone I already know. What a treat. I mean, I host my own podcast and I feel very similarly that, you know, having some rapport with somebody is much better than going in super cold. Absolutely. And besides all of our mutual contacts and connects in the tech world, we have some mutual friends outside of it, which I think is extra fun. Totally. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, truly the pleasure is all mine. Getting to talk about someone else instead of yourself is one of the truest joys in the world. (laughs) I know. That's usually my job. I'm like, oh, no, I have to answer the questions. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's your turn, buddy. This is my break. (laughs) Okay, so, Eric, I want to start here. Tell me this. How did you spend your last day off? I recently got back from a trip to Italy. I know this because I saw so many delicious looking photos of pasta. It was kind of torturous. (laughs) I was posting to my Instagram stories, uh, my girlfriend and I sort of eating our way through Tuscany, Rome, Milan, and Sequitera. It got to the point where I'd posted like every meal. So somebody could have (laughs) gone back and done like an accurate 
calorie count like to the to the calorie uh, i think because i posted like almost everything we ate but yes on a diet now but italy was wonderful and delicious it looked beautiful if you're gonna eat your way through a particular country i feel like italy's the one to do it in definitely yeah how did you pick italy my girlfriend sarah joe had a friend he's south african okay his wife is from new jersey sure. and has italian american parents and so okay. they decided to have their wedding in rural Tuscany. Wow. So that brought us to Italy mm-hmm. during the like the worst heat wave. And then oh, we God. came back to the United States while New York was in a terrible heat wave. But otherwise, it was a beautiful trip and a nice wedding. Yay. It looked lovely. I feel like literally every person I've ever met is currently in Italy. <laughs> well, Matt Iglesias, who's you know one of the Twitter accounts I follow the most closely, was in Italy at the same time. So it just felt like my Twitter diet literally shifted yeah. with me you know, to Italy. So that was weird. I feel like I missed a meeting where everyone <laughs> I know got together and said, let's all go to Italy this summer. No one tell Alexis. <laughs> I'm going to have to get over there soon. Even my mom, by the way. Literally, my mom went to Italy this summer. And I was just like, okay, hello. (laughs) So, Eric, is there a song that whenever you hear it totally takes you back in time? I would say uh, Miley Cyrus's Party in the USA. When I was was on the Crimson, you know, that was was sort of... (laughs) My main social organization in college, my high school newspaper, yes. a real journalism nerd, and many of my existing friends, we'd call it the Sanctum, very okay. Harvard pretentious. <laughs> and there were these sort of hardwood sort of tables, and we would, you know, dance on top of them late at night playing a party in the USA. So that was definitely, I think, the iconic college and particularly Harvard Crimson song. Really bringing a new meaning to <laughs> dancing on tables. <laughs> when the tables are Harkness tables. Yes. <laughs> well, often the parties would be small enough that like the only way to create, you know, in a fairly big room, the illusion that was an intimate gathering was yeah. to sort of force what whatever 12 people were still there at two in the morning to be yep. on the table. So it, yep. it created a small dance floor type environment <laughs> in, a, in a big room. That's the trick, I guess. If you ever need to make a party feel more lively, you just got to go right. up. Just <laughs> yeah, bring exactly. it up a little bit. Really take <laughs> things o- up Only on notch. the couches, yeah. Something I love about every person I've ever met who worked on the Crimson is how quickly I find out that they worked <laughs> on the Crimson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, it's a huge part of my life, honestly. I mean, I'm in journalism still, but then of tons course. of my friends, the people who read uh, mm-hmm. drafts for my newsletter, you know, were on the Crimson for the most part. I think you are the... Second or third non-technical guest. To, oh wait, who yeah. else? Do you Jenny remember? Lee, Jennifer oh, yeah, Lee. Yeah, yeah, I saw her at South by. Yep, I know her. Yep, and Alex Conrad was he on oh, the yeah, Crimson? Yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, Jenny Lee is several years older than me, but right, right. Alex, I think, is maybe just one year. One above year, me, so above I knew. You. Yep, yep. So I think you're the third, which is three out of eighty. Isn't interesting. <laughs> That's. <laughs> 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 I'm gonna have to unpack that later. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so party in the USA. Do you know every word? No, no, I'm terrible. I feel like that's just not my memory. I do not have a good uh, recall for songs. So no, no, I would get destroyed. I like karaoke bars where you can read the songs. I'm also a terrible mm-hmm. singer. You're a good singer, right? How do you know? I, I feel like I've just just taken that. I, <laughs> that's true, right? Am I wrong that you're a good singer? Or I used to sing. Yes, I okay. Don't, I don't consider myself a good singer. Okay, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, wait, can I tell you something embarrassing? This is, uh, yeah. you can cut this if you want. But Bobby <laughs> Samuels and I, who you know, a good yes, friend of, of mine... He and I once went to uh, room karaoke together, okay. just the two of us. Like, <laughs> oh my God. 
Like we've been hanging out with people and you know how you make a decision at like midnight where you're like, I want to keep this going. We're having fun. Like adrenaline's up. It's not over. And so then me and my good oh my like uh, male friend, he's good at singing. I'm bad at singing. Went to, I think one of the San Francisco room karaoke bars and tried for an hour just to sing uh, together. And yeah. How did it go? It, it was a little awkward. It was very hard to keep the energy going. Oh my God. This is one of my favorite things anyone's ever said. Oh my God. I love it so much. Bobby's a really talented musician, really talented singer. I kind of am surprised that you two couldn't keep that energy going. Well, he was good. I, I, I you know, maybe he would recount it uh, differently. I'm a bad singer. Were you doing duets or were you sol- soloing at each other back and forth? A mix, I think. I mean, I think mostly we were singing together because I would have been miserable doing sort of okay. solos. <laughs> I'm much more like 10 people are, you know, screaming, uh, yeah. you know, the killers or something. 100%. Or, That's, or yes. Wonderwall or whatever. Yeah, Fade into the background. Yeah. That is my preferred karaoke style as well. What's something that you're really good at that it would surprise most people to know about you? I think there's one answer, and that is that I play duplicate bridge, you know, the card game. Hell yeah. Okay. (laughs) Straight out of the gate, can you tell me the difference between, did you say duplicate bridge? Duplicative? Duplicate bridge. Duplicate bridge. Okay. It's basically like tournament bridge instead of, you know, party bridge where you would play and your performance is based on the randomness of the cards. Duplicate Mm. bridge, you're playing the same cards as your opponents so you can be more (sighs) fairly judged against them. Wow. That's the more serious type of bridge. All four of my grandparents played. I played, you know, with my dad. I still play with him Mm -hmm. occasionally. And yeah, I played on Harvard's bridge team and try to play (laughs) occasionally. This is fantastic to hear. Wow. Flustered. Flustered by the knowledge of duplicate bridge. Well, you love chess. So to some I, degree, I there there is a connection. I play some online chess, but I'm I'm much better at bridge. I can also play it more mindlessly. So okay. it's more fun as sort of a relaxing thing. Have you ever played bridge competitively in a tournament? Well, yeah, yeah. I played in college. And then I think my sophomore year, I was the weakest player on the team of four. We were the third sort of college bridge team in the country or whatever. Whoa, that's really good. Yeah. Damn. I haven't really played super competitively now. I just play a lot online with robots. Sure, that's great. Is there a reason that you don't play it as much competitively now? Well, it's just a lot of work. Eventually, I will convince my girlfriend to play. You have to sort of find a club. You know, you need a good partner. Okay. Oh, it's a partner. It's like doubles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You play with somebody else against two other people. In college, every spring, seniors would come to me and say they want to learn bridge. Yeah. And then they would become quickly disillusioned with how much time I mm. wanted them to take. Because yeah. to learn it sort of at a competitive level, there's just a yeah. lot of information to learn. How many hours do you think someone would need to spend to go from knowing zero about duplicate bridge to knowing enough to play a game? I think if you're chiller than me, you know, yeah. it's really if you know spades and hearts, the bridge mm-hmm. to starting to play Bridge would probably be, you know, an hour. If you don't know how to play a trick-taking game at all, Mm. then it's, you know, it could, you know, you're not playing the real version for for several hours, but you might sort of walk them through the steps. Okay. Wow. If you ever 
get people together to teach them bridge, I would like to get that invite. <laughs> Make everyone swear in blood that they're willing to commit like 12 hours to 100%. it. 100%. Because... <laughs> like, I think raise the stakes. Sometimes I think that people have it wrong. They're like, oh, I'll make it like easy for people to like right. drop by. And beca- I'm right. like, let's raise the stakes because then you're filtering out people that right. are not going to be committed. I exactly. say invite people over for a 12-hour bridge training session. One day, solve One the problem. One full day, exactly. We'll do breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> right, right. You will know bridge by the end of this. That sounds great. We could put together an agenda for the day. Like we could take these meal breaks. I think that right. sounds super fun. But I am the kind of person that if someone said, Alexis, do you want to come over for 12 hours? And by the end of it, you will know bridge. I'd be like, absolutely, I do. Time and place. I think we can make that happen. We have some mutuals who know bridge. So uh, I'll work on that. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it, you know? Yes. Ooh, you said the phrase trick-taking game, which I absolutely fell madly in love with as soon as you said it. And I was wondering if there's any bridge-specific slang you could share with me. Well, you know, you trump all the time in bridge. Really? You finesse things in bridge. <laughs> there's squeezes in bridge. Wow, finessing you go, and squeezing. There's slam bids. You know, there are also, there's tons <laughs> of... La- bridge is great for uh, fun words. That yeah. definitely paints a picture of a different game than what I picture, which is like people politely sitting around a table holding cards. I mean, my grandmothers did play bridge, but it's a very serious game. I feel like it does have geriatric connotations, but it sounds like that might just be judging the book by its cover. You know, you talk to a lot of our grandparent age people and they played in college. And I just think that, mm. you know, our, our generation wasn't playing bridge in college. And so the game is sort of fading somewhat. Okay, well, we might need to keep this alive. What is the tiniest hill that you're willing to die on? So something pretty inconsequential that you would really go to bat for. Well, this is very much in the game thing. So maybe that's on my mind. But have you ever played the game Mafia or or Werewolf? There's no real time limit on those games. So I'm Mm -hmm. definitely egregious in delaying that game, taking a game far too seriously. You know, you can sort of beat people by being like, I'm going to be invested in this far more than you are. And like, just like, no, I'm really not the mafia. Like, let's think about, let's spend another, you know, 10 minutes arguing about this. And if you do that, there are definitely people who just lose the will. They don't care enough about the game and then they don't kill you. And so definitely... In those sorts of games, I've definitely uh, alienated people and also won games of Mafia through unwillingness to just sort of die quietly. Absolutely. I mean, that's a real last man standing effort. It's like, you don't just win the game, you survive, you know? (laughs) Right, right. That's great. Wow. I mean, I genuinely love people who take things, I'm not even going to say too seriously, I'm just going to say seriously. Like, I appreciate that. Right. I, a hill to die on suggests that it's a mistake in some way. I'm like, no, right, these, no. Th- this was not a mistake. You know, it was good, good strategy. Absolutely. Has that ever gone not so great for you? That tactic of being willing to take <laughs> <laughs> these things super seriously? Definitely. Uh, you play with people you don't know and they think accurately that you're a crazy person. Sure. And then there's always a double-edged sword in taking games too mm. seriously. You need to take it seriously with people who want yes. to. I agree 100%. See, but that is why we're going to filter everybody out who's not serious. <laughs> exactly. By saying this is going to be a 12-hour commitment. <laughs> Are you a good loser if you lose the game? I'm trying to be uh, fair and unbiased here. I think I'm a good <laughs> loser. I think it's easier to lose when it's like 
games with no randomness where it's like, okay, yeah, you definitely be like chess or yes, something. It's yes, like, yeah, yes, easy yes. to easier to lose in chess where I'm like, oh yeah, they're they're better than me or whatever. Yes. Or they outplayed me. I blundered. I feel like the hardest games to lose are, you know, the Monopoly style where the person who wins mm-hmm. feels very proud of themselves. You know, they won. But there is so much randomness in that game. And yeah. you, they're not really going back and tracing like your big mistake was this. It's just mm-hmm. sort of like you lost. And yep. I mean, I'm not like pouting, but I'm just like, what's what's it mean? You know, sometimes losing is is giving the other person their win. And I, I feel like sometimes like it's a dumb game, you know, <laughs> <laughs> my controller wasn't working. <laughs> no, I'm not that person. I have friends that I was never I'm like, are you kidding me? An Xbox controller isn't working. I would not. I'm not that kind of loser. OK, definitely. you won't go that far. No, no. Something you and I have in common is it sounds like a strong aversion to luck-based games. Yeah, not my favorite. I hate them. I won't play them. What's the point? I mean, I like Monopoly because I think there's a nice heavy dose of skill in the mix, or at least a heavy dose of strategy, let's say. But I can't handle luck-based games. This whole episode is going to be games at this point. But Yeah, that's fine. I love it. Have you ever played Tzolkin? No. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a Mayan resource (laughs) management-based game. This is my... Oh, my God, Eric. I love this. My girlfriend hates these sort of like Settlers of Catan games, but there was a power outage one day and her brother loves this game. So that was Mm. the excuse to get her into this game. And now she really likes it too, because once you know all the rules, then they're fun. But it's just sort of like, why learn all these rules? Anyway, I love that game. Say the name of it again. Tzolkin. It's based on the Mayan calendar and you sort of spin a wheel and progress through time. I highly recommend it. Whoa, that sounds so fun. Have you ever played any role-playing games, like any Dungeons and Dragons or anything like that? When I was in elementary school, I had a teacher who created his own role-playing system called Legend Maker. And we would all play that. And then one summer when I was at like a summer camp type thing, I played Mm -hmm. D&D, but I never really, I didn't play after that. That's another thing that seems like a big commitment. Like yeah, people it's who do campaigns like, that go on for so long. I feel like I would find the bridge group before I started doing the D&D That's group. Fair. But it does That's seem fair. very appealing to me. Have you played? I have not. It really appeals to me because of the crossover nature between like long committed strategic game plus basically improv comedy along the way (laughs) (laughs) doing characters and voices for no reason is kind of my deal so i think that would be a lot of fun i did do improv in san francisco which i should should not admit here oh my Um, god let's hear about it when did you do improv the last couple years in san francisco so i don't know What was your SF timeline again? When were you there? I think 2013 through like 2019. Oh, we overlapped. Okay. I found it to be sort of split between, I hope this is okay to say, but sort of split between people like me who are extroverts Mm -hmm. who are like, I I should be funnier. Like I should figure out how to be (laughs) funny. In San Francisco who felt like maybe someone who had suggested they go is sort of like a way to to work on their social skills. So it was Mm -hmm. a very funny, I feel like, People in New York and people in LA have a very different view of improv groups because yes. there it's a lot of like, I want to be an actor and I'm yes. like trying to be a professional yes. at this. Whereas San Francisco, I didn't really feel like anybody was, there were very few people who felt like they were trying to make it big living in San Francisco in improv. I think you're spot on. I think that's actually though, one of the things that's really amazing about doing improv in San Francisco specifically, because all that pressure of being surrounded by people who are trying to do it professionally is kind of gone. And you can just go and, what a concept, do something for fun. 
Right. You can just go and do it not to be right. good at it. You can just go and enjoy it. And it's so Wild. earnest. I enjoyed it. I have no problem yes. with being earnest. I, I liked it. I don't watch a ton of improv, but I sure. enjoyed participating in improv. Okay, I love the word earnest. I really love the word earnest. <laughs> what do you... <laughs> <laughs> because I consider myself someone who is earnest, but yeah. I feel like that was not rewarded as a part of who I am for like the first 27 years of my life. <laughs> right. <laughs> How do you feel about it? I don't know if it's like stage of life or what, mm. but yeah, I think it's good. Millennials are more earnest, right? Isn't like Gen yeah. Z critical of millennials for being somewhat earnest? So I, I do think it's one of the critiques against our age group. Yeah, but I don't know. It's just like good to care about stuff, I think. Right? And you yeah. don't have to pretend that you don't care <laughs> right, about stuff. Right. <laughs> At least that's my take. Okay, well, speaking of the modern day, what's your most used emoji? Thumbs up. I mean, I'm a very like information information <laughs> received. You know, Straight I'm not, I'm not yep. like a goofy emoji person. <laughs> uh, so very like, got it. What is your most childlike trait? I mean, I still play some video games. I've been playing Horizon Forbidden West. What's that? It's a PlayStation game where you're like an archer. It's great. That's cool. Even more childlike and nostalgia. You know, you can download sort of uh, jailbroken versions of Pokemon where you can like, they change all these things. They make them harder. Whoa. I haven't totally figured this out. This is somebody else's hobby that they okay. they gave me almost too much information about. And now I know like a ton about <laughs> it. And I was like, I just want to play like 20 hours of Pokemon and move on. But they're like, yep. you can like edit your Pokemon. And like, you know, you, there's just all, there's a whole adult world of like, well, adult, but yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so were you a big Pokemon person growing up? Yeah, I definitely was. I collected Pokemon cards. It's something I did with my cousin. I oh, played the nice. game. Yeah, it was, it was fun. Do you have a favorite Pokemon? <laughs> or a couple that you really like? I like Umbreon, uh, okay. the psychic version of Eevee. Isn't Eevee the one that looks like a squirrel, kind of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cute. Yeah, yeah, it's a cute one. It evolves into yeah, a psychic. I, did you never play Pokemon? No, I really, no, it missed me. It missed me and I missed it. But one time someone gave me a Pokemon card of Squirtle because I <laughs> said that it was so cute. And um, so that one has been my favorite for the 20 years since that occurred. That's nice. Yep. I have friends who are really into it, though. And so I feel like I've absorbed a lot more just through osmosis. You asked about uh, childhood nostalgia. So yeah. I, I certainly have that for Pokemon in spades. Totally. What is your most irrational fear? Oh, my God. I'm clinically afraid of like needles and getting my blood pressure taken. Oh, I'm no. like, I'm one of those people. I'll, mm -hmm. Even like, I mean, it's just like biological, like even getting the vaccine, I'll like grow faint. Like I, so really? I am just like, really, it's really bad, which I get the vaccine, obviously. But then sure. I, it's so funny because like the rational version of myself, it's like, I pass out. Like it doesn't make any sense. Uh, yeah. You know, some people I think have fears where they're like, no, this fear it makes sense. I'm like, this yeah. fear makes no sense. <laughs> like, I don't think it's like a logical thing. I just will pass out if like yes. this goes slowly or I sit here too long. And yes, so many people say they're afraid of needles mm. that I feel like you're numbing these people's fearness when they come across someone like me when it's like, no, yeah. I'm passing yeah. out 30% of the time here. Yeah. Like you should be like... <laughs> Get ready, okay? <laughs> I just need to like really convince them. But uh, yeah, that is my phobia by far. That makes a lot of sense. Well, or at least like it, <laughs> it makes sense in that I understand right, <laughs> that that yeah. is your phobia. I'm very curious to hear your answer on this. If you could possess the ability to hear what other people are thinking, would you? What do you think? 
Do I think that you would? Yeah. It's tough to say, actually, because I think given what you do, I think yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> you Definitely. could just go hang out at HQ of various companies and do your job. Yeah. But in your day-to-day life, if you couldn't turn this off, would you still want it? I am the type of person who listens to what everyone else is saying at dinner. Like I, mm-hmm. I'm like, I come back and I like give the download to my girlfriend. I'm like, oh, you weren't listening to them argue about yes. blah, blah, blah. Like I'm always in information gathering mode. Mm-hmm. And so I, a power I'd wish to have. Interesting. Even, even if like, yes, it probably could end up being a burden, but yeah. Uh, wow. I want, I want to know things. So I love I, that answer. I take it. Does this mean that you're a big fan of what I call the dinner party debrief? Yes. I mean, that's the, one of the best parts of the that, dinner party. Is that not the <laughs> best part? <laughs> I think I've said this on the show before, but I'm also a fan of the pre-brief, which is where <laughs> if I'm bringing someone to a dinner party, right. I like to give them a rundown of everybody, all the players, what to expect, what to look out for. And then you can recover that same ground in the debrief and right. see how their expectations measured up to what actually happened. Well, as someone who likes improv, it's sort of like, what was the game of that conversation yes, that yes, was going oh, on. I love that. <laughs> what was the subtext that if mm-hmm. you knew the very clear thing happening with the conversation and then if you can yeah. tell that subtext to someone uh, who doesn't know the backstory and reveal what the conversation was really about. Yeah, that's social God, joy that's right satisfying. there. <laughs> it really is. That is some good stuff. <laughs> oh, I adore that. Okay, so this is a two-part question for you, which is part one, who would play you in a movie? And part two, If we were to make a movie about your life, should we focus in on a particularly exciting chapter or should this be a biopic? Great questions. Wow, thank you. (laughs) Coming from you, that's a real compliment. (laughs) Oh boy. Zach Alphanakis has sort of got the beard and look (laughs) and like, I I feel like that's, or as Seth Rogen, Zach Zach is who I would pick. Love Zach Alphanakis. I love him. I also find him so funny. So funny. Ernest, I don't know. His comedy is so like... What, is he serious or not? The other part of it, oh, which period of my life? Would make the best movie plot. My girlfriend and I were best friends in college. We met literally a decade before we started dating. Oh my gosh. We both were the people who went to all the comedy organizations to try it out, try out, but then didn't do any of them. <laughs> really? <laughs> did the Crimson. So we are both, <laughs> we have similarities both in what we did, but also what we thought we should do and didn't really Whoa, do. We, okay. we were like all at the like stand up thing and like the satire. I think she did satire for a little bit. I did the comedy mm. newscast for a little bit, but we didn't really stick with it. And then, yeah, we started dating like a decade after, I think it's pretty good when Harry met Sally version two rom-com. When you met, did you think there was any chance you would end up dating? Well, she was dating her high school boyfriend at the time. And then I started, you know, it's one of these friendships where, you know, you're both dating other people and you're Mm -hmm. then hearing about their dating life. And it it became just sort of a very platonic friendship. And then there are even times where like looking back sort of, you know, we stayed close we were like in Joshua Tree and I'm like, oh, how do we not start dating then? But it's like, hmm. okay, I was, you know, still dating s- someone I met online. You yeah, know, it's just yeah. like, and then it also just, we've been friends for so long. It felt like, what a risk, you know? And it just oh, sort of, yeah. there, then there was just like the right moment. Literally, we hooked up at a Crimson grad board meeting and I was living in San Francisco. <laughs> she yeah. was at least on the East Hell Coast. Yeah. So to bring this full circle on the importance <laughs> of the Crimson, you know, she was the photo chair. I was head of news, the associate managing editor. So we both went to the sort of grad board meeting and I was mm. 
added to the grad board. So somebody, Ben Samuels, had put had gotten me on the grad board. So my ego had been satisfied. And that's why I was there <laughs> in the place to, wow. rekin- to, to spark this romance. And then, yeah, we went on a trip to Germany together and uh, started dating. And uh, yeah, now we live together in Brooklyn. Wow, that's an amazing story. I agree that that would make a great movie. Do you think that we would need to fictionalize that it was the Harvard Crimson? Or do you think that Harvard would be okay with it being a part of the rom-com? I mean, the social network did it, right? I I don't know. This is a lawyer question to me. I think you could get away with it. I don't think you'd have to get permission, right? I don't know that you would have to get permission per se. You know, just because you can do something legally sometimes... You know, there could be other causes for difficulty down the road. I'm a huge fan of things being like very, very true to life. And so if I were to produce this movie with you, I would want it to be like down to the bone accurate in terms of like... Well, I hate the social network because they make the central like conflict Zuckerberg's relationship with his girlfriend, even though he's married to his like college Mm -hmm. like sweetheart. So I feel Mm -hmm. like the movie is super dishonest in sort of its depiction of his motivations. Yeah, I think they were using his storyline romantically as really more of a device to highlight his lack of, quote, ability to interact in the real world. And then, oh, he's having all the success building an online social network more so than it was to be like, here is historically accurate dating life. I know, but I understand. I I understand. (laughs) I get it, Alexis. Okay. (laughs) However. I get why it works for the movie, but it it just feels like if you're going to make the most damning critique of Mark Zuckerberg, Mm. And then distort a fact that, yeah, the the facts mm. weighs how people think about him. I don't, I, I feel like they, they should have found another way I, yeah. just to be more honest. I mean, no, I agree. I really do really prefer th- when things are like truly accurate. And also on the note of comedy, to me, the things that are the funniest are things that are the most true. That's always been right. like my sense of humor, my style of humor and the things that I'm drawn to. And so that would that's just how I like to make things. So if we were producing this movie, I think the fact that it's the Harvard Crimson, and I think also people who are familiar with that world will know like how <laughs> like the role that that plays, you know? Like I would want this to be a movie that other Crimson alums like they're like, "Oh, they got that exactly right." I worry you're about to go get a treatment. And so you're like, when we produce this movie, you know, like, are we going to do it? Do you think we'll be get location rights or not for this? Or uh... Well, I've been in touch with the Cambridge um, local department of filming permits. And exactly. Yeah, we're all set to film on the Charles. We've got it. <laughs> I think it would be fun. I think it would be fun. It is true, though. I do have in the 80 episodes I've done of the show, there are some very legitimately good movie ideas that come out of this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can make a little production. Everybody wants IP now. You know, you're you need to start uh, before before these interviews getting people to sign a document that includes giving them away. Their, that is their so life rights. You know, smart. you just sort of <laughs> any yeah. good anecdotes you have, I I can uh, option. You know, um. <laughs> I mean that's not a bad idea. Anyway, on an unrelated note, I have this document for you to sign when we're done. <laughs> yeah, um. <exactly. laughs> Okay, Eric, tell me this. Aside from Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like all the basics, what's something you couldn't go a day without? If this were a family feud, I imagine this would be a very popular answer, but I'm going to say coffee on this one. Interesting. I think only one other person has said coffee. Really? Yeah. Isn't that shocking? That's shocking to me. What is the most common answer? Actually, they have all been different, which I could Hmm. not believe. Aren't humans fascinating? Everyone else has been so creative that I'm able to answer the boring answer to that. But I'm addicted to coffee. If I get sick, 
and don't drink coffee, like I have an extra headache. I'm definitely, it's never the first thing I want to give up. I'm always like, oh, Mm -hmm. I should drink less, but I'm not going to then make myself not drink coffee too. Yeah, of course. 100%. How many vices do I have to give up here, you know? Have we talked about how much I love coffee? Do you know that about me? No, I don't. No. Okay. So I'm a huge coffee fan. The first time we met, when we met, we got coffee. We went to Blue Bottle. A coffee meeting is like, you know, it doesn't tell you somebody loves coffee, but that is a true fact. Oh, of course. No. Yeah. (laughs) So you should have. Can you tell how much I love it by the fact that we went to coffee together? We're the only two people who have ever gone to Blue Bottle for a meeting. Yeah, we can have our uh, Bridge Coffee and Earnesty (gasps) Club, you know? Oh my Uh, God, I love this so much. (laughs) No, well, coffee will be a part of the agenda. Like, okay, we'll start with a welcome reception. That will be coffee. That's when you'll give the overview of the day. Right. Okay, and then we'll start with like the first section, the morning session of the Bridge Education. How do you uh, prepare your coffee? Thank you for asking. (laughs) A very personal question. It is a personal question but I'm thrilled to disclose that I currently use a French press, though I used to use a Chemex. But when I moved back to the East Coast, my Chemex broke. Oh, no. was devastating. And instead of replacing it, I just started defaulting to my French press. And now it's become such a part of the ritual that I'm stuck with it mentally. You like it better or you... I like that it's a little bit less maintenance. I have a problem of over-optimizing every second of my life, um, which I'm sure I'm (laughs) the only one. I I could take some percentage (laughs) of that and you could take some of my (laughs) non-optimized life. Oh my God, I would trade in a heartbeat. (laughs) But for the four minutes while my French press rests, I unload the dishwasher typically from the night before because I feel like I need to spend every second like (laughs) truly like whatever. It's definitely, I don't know what's going on in my brain. Your your podcast, you're like, oh, you need to bring this audio equipment. You need to be here then. (laughs) Mine is just like, oh, obviously you'll bring the right audio equipment right then when they don't we're like oh you go find headphones like you're oh you don't have wired headphones anywhere in your apartment like run around. so you have powerful Eric, people just scrambling me. around their apartment embarrassed <laughs> that they don't have any wired headphones no anyway sorry i think that that's good i think that there are times when i should do that less but unfortunately the four minutes while my french press is brewing is not that time that is dishwasher time how do you make your coffee Chemex. Do you weigh it? I bought a scale that we just really haven't used, but we grind our own beans. Yeah, I should same. weigh it. What kind of grinder do you have? The wire cutter number, you know, the less fancy one, whatever. Yeah, that's literally what I have. I was like, okay, I'm not spending $250 on this coffee grinder, right? but I right. will spend whatever the second most amount. I find it very hard to believe that Mm-hmm. the exact grinding. I mean, obviously grinding matters a ton, yes, but, yes, but the yes. precision grinding, I don't know. I I haven't been sold on that yet. No, me neither. I think as long as it's a burr grinder, which has to do with like the consistency of, I yeah. think, size that it grinds it down to. Yeah. God, this is good podcasting, you know? <laughs> Talking about coffee, that's what everybody <laughs> wants. You're promoting on TikTok. I, I feel like I'm on coffee TikTok, so I consume them. You know, maybe they oh, can take awesome. some of my coffee takes, you know? That's great. So you said that you skip it sometimes when you're sick, but is there any other reason why you don't drink coffee? I don't. I'm just saying if I, like, sometimes, you know, you sleep in, so you don't drink it. You think yeah. you'll get away with it, and then I'll, like, get a headache. Then I'll have a cup of coffee, and I'll suddenly feel better. Mm. So I, I drink it every day. Is there a difference in your personality before and after you've had coffee? I feel like it's so ingrained in my body at this point. This, like, this is what I'm saying. It's true yeah. addiction. I can't separate <laughs> it from myself. Is it one cup a day? No. We split a Chemex between two people and then I'll have a cold brew later in the day. We make our own cold brew. Oh, 
Wow. And now we've started freezing coconut water as <gasps> ice cubes to give us just a little bit. So <gasps> what? That's <laughs> yeah, huge. It's a nice touch. Yeah. Wow, island life. <laughs> That's amazing. Eric, we're gonna take a quick break and then we'll be right back. This episode of Non-Technical is still brought to you by Census. Sales, biz ops, and data teams alike agree Census is an absolute game changer. Say goodbye to dashboard graveyards, manually uploaded CSVs, and needing 10 different tabs to fully understand your customer. Census allows you to integrate data quickly and seamlessly into your desired CRM to get a full 360 customer view. This enables teams to score and prioritize leads and drive automation at scale. We love to see it! Teams across all business functions benefit from this streamlined efficiency and they have the numbers to prove it. Using Census, Figma has seen a 10x increase in sales productivity while Canva has been able to drive marketing personalization to over 50 million users. Yeah, I heard you. Wow is right. If you're looking to increase the productivity of your sales reps, personalize your customer communications and reduce churn, you can learn more at getcensus.com non-technical. And we're back with Eric Newcomer, author of the wildly popular newsletter, Newcomer. Eric, we have arrived at a very exciting moment in this episode of Non-Technical. <laughs> Are you ready? Uh, yes, I guess. <laughs> Apprehensively. <laughs> we have arrived at the lightning round. Ooh, I'm ready. Okay. Yeah, very exciting. Well, my first question we just answered, which is coffee or tea? Yep, coffee. I like both. You do like tea as well? Yes. Hmm. I think tea's okay. Really? Yeah. I still drink it almost every day. I almost feel like an obligation to drink tea. I mean, tea is one of the most wonderful things in the world. I mean, if you're talking about like green tea or herbal tea, there's like nothing bad about it. It has flavor. Yeah. I love it. I think it's great. Yeah. But I would say that like most wonderful things in the world are generally not described as there's nothing bad about it. (laughs) Well, you get some (laughs) pleasure with no cost. You know, there are lots of things where you get pleasure with some cost. The cost to pleasure ratio is really strong with tea. Okay. Exactly. You know what, Eric? That's a beautiful point. (laughs) I'm going to take that with me. Have you ever read a book twice? Yeah, I mean, I read Harry Potter, obviously. I was like a yes. diehard. I, you know, was on TV for being the first person in Macon, Georgia to get Half-Blood Prince, no. I believe. Yeah, dressed up as a wizard. I was <gasps> a real, real nerd. If you didn't know from the Pokemon or the bridge or the game. I mean, Eric, it's 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 honest to God, like 80% of the people that come on this <laughs> show, no joke. We just go back and forth on like, were you into this weird thing? Right. <laughs> I love Ender's Game. I've read that many times. You know, I'm sure there are many science fiction-y books. I'm trying to think what Oh, wait, else. I had a Harry Potter question for you. When you dressed up as a wizard to be the first person to get the Half-Blood Prince, did you have a house, a, a Hogwarts house you believed you would be a part of? It's a good question. Mm-hmm. I, I think for a while I went through a sort of defend Hufflepuff period. I think personality-wise, Gryffindor, main main character, desirable, you know, yeah. wanting to be the main character uh, energy, which is very Gryffindor. I yeah. definitely think it's sad that Rowling couldn't have done a better job of more desirable character, or just, just you know, putting Hermione and Ravenclaw, whatever, making it desirable mm-hmm. to be in the other houses. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, the values of Hufflepuff loyalty and honesty yep. are... Yep some of the most admirable and and inclusion. So I I believe in Hufflepuff, but I think I would, 
identify as a Gryffindor? Do you identify with the house? That's really interesting. Okay. So again, thank you for asking. My best friend, Romy, decided to sort all of us in maybe fourth grade or something like that. She sorted the entire class and she put me in Hufflepuff. And I was like, (laughs) okay, that's an interesting choice. Can you tell me more about that? And she's like, it's not a bad thing, Alexis. I'm also in Hufflepuff. And I'm like, okay, that's true. However, (laughs) okay. Like it was just sort of like, it's not a compliment necessarily if someone's like oh you should be in Hufflepuff right however I agree with you that it has a lot of positive qualities and let us not forget Cedric Diggory a fantastic gentleman who was in Hufflepuff so it has a lot of good things going for it however I like you have strong main character energy (laughs) when it comes to (laughs) what else I think I should be in but I don't think that it's socially acceptable to say I would want to be in Gryffindor are we allowed to say that I'm always shocked by people who would say they don't necessarily want to be the protagonist of the book. I'm like, doesn't everyone want to be the protagonist? Isn't that? Right. But I feel like there are people who are like, oh, I don't want all that attention. I do not want to be the protagonist. And I do think that's the type of person that's hard for me. Maybe okay. the, I don't know what percentage of people this. I'd be interested to see what percentage of people. But I mean, I will say that we are both actively talking into microphones right now so that everyone can hear what we right. have to Please say. Please pay attention to us. The void is all consuming. Let me escape it. That's right. So I guess I'm not like shocked that we're both right, like, I right. should be in Gryffindor. Right, but right. That is how I feel. That is right. that is the one that I most identify with. I would take Ravenclaw. If I was put in Ravenclaw, I would not be like, what? What a mystery. Right, right. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm glad that we have that in common. That's good to know. I'll try to wear that with more pride and <laughs> earnestness. Do you have a pump-up song? It used to be Moment of Clarity by Jay-Z. I feel like I oh. haven't been listening to that okay. as much. I love the song Human by the Killers, which I just find to be sort of yes. an absurd song. So sometimes when I'm like in a sort of weird space. I find it sort of like acknowledging of that. I'm either a top 1% or top 2% Spotify Taylor Swift listener. So really? uh, Yeah. Oh my God. I'm (gasps) Taylor Swift all the time. I'm listening to like Invisible String or whatever constantly. So um, what? Wait, Invisible String? That's like more of a deep cut. Oh yeah. I love Folklore and um, whatever the new one is. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I love both those albums. Evermore? Yeah. Evermore. Evermore? Sounds right. Eric, I didn't know this about you. I'm also a huge Taylor Swift fan. Wow, we <laughs> we can have a bridge, coffee, earnestness, wow, and is... Taylor Swift party with a uh, Gryffindor housing Like, <laughs> What more could you possibly want to be doing with your time? That sounds great. Oh, and also speaking of earnestness, Taylor Swift, one right. of our earnest champions. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Wow, I had no idea. That's so interesting. To get pumped up, that song Human by The Killers, Killers, great band. When do you put that on? I don't know, when you need to bring it all together. or It's not mm. like a workout. No, no. It's more just sort of like when you need to like, I don't know, find your energy and focus. Yeah, I find yeah. it very like clarifying. I feel like the absurdity of all just sort of, it just reflects like, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I like the song. The word clarify is interesting because I was about to say that I feel like it pump up songs can sometimes bring like clarity to me. It's less like, oh, I need to get excited. It's more like I just need to kind of dial in. What is it? The the Robin song like Oh, Dancing on My Own? Yeah. That's, that's definitely mine. one of my Oh really? <gasps> yes. <laughs> that is my number one. I think you part of this, Eric, is that I think we are the exact same age. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. And I think that I'm that 32 informs, September yes. 1989. Yeah. Yes. We're very close in age. Oh, you got, you got, you're 1989. That's so exciting yeah. for a Taylor yeah. Swift fan. I feel like, <laughs> <laughs> and I think that that does inform some of these intense similarities, but dancing on my own is my favorite pop song ever produced in the history of music. I love it so much. It is definitely a clarity pump up song for me right. for sure. Yeah. Wow. This is my final question for you, which makes me sad because it means that our time is coming to an end. But what would you title your memoir? Uh, this is a good question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am very conflicted about using my last name, Newcomer, as a pun. Obviously, I have named okay. my newsletter you have. Newcomer. That's right. I don't use it as a pun. A lot of people, you know, they'll be like, oh, you're a newcomer to this environment or you're not a newcomer anymore. Oh my God, it's all the time. So I'm like, oh, you know, I should do like always a newcomer or something, you know, mm. to like reflect like sort of a reporter sort of perspective. I don't okay. know if that's too cute. Have you thought about your memoir? This is my time <laughs> off, Eric. This is about you. I don't have to be introspective for a second, for an hour. <laughs> but I will say something on the note of last names and puns is that I feel constantly like because my last name is gay, there's no like pun. Oh, you that have to works. be very serious about it. Interesting. Right. It doesn't translate. You know yeah, what I mean? I didn't think about that. That's because you're a mature adult, Eric. That's because you're a mature <laughs> adult. Okay. It is funny with the last name puns. The most basic is they haven't thought about the fact that hear this all the time and they make some newcomer joke. Yeah. And then there's sort of the person who makes it, but then they sort of catch themselves. Yes. And they're like, okay, you get this a lot. And then there's yes. like sort of the, they're like not doing it because they know everyone does it, but they can't help themselves but bring it yep. up. And then yep. there are the people who realize that it is a very obvious thing to make a play yeah. on and just sort of move on with their lives. But Right. Uh, that's the, and that final want bucket is like, that's the galaxy brain icon <laughs> in that meme right. where they realize, oh my right. God, she knows her name is Alex right. is gay. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You get it. Okay. So maybe not a pun with your name. Hmm. I have never drawn the association between your last name and the actual meaning of it. But I do think that a lot of that is informed by my own last name being right. a word. Well, yeah. I mean, I write about startups. So I do think newcomer sure. is relevant to that. Okay. Another title that I have that's a little like, I don't know, is he making an inside joke with himself? Doesn't maybe sell very, sell very well. If there is ever a time to make an inside joke with yourself, is it not your memoir? Right. When I was in, I think it was eighth grade one summer, I recorded a podcast to myself. Okay. In eighth grade? Yeah. So I had like audio software on my computer. And for whatever reason, as I figured out, I could only record a minute at a time. Not because of the software's limitations, okay. but because of my own understanding of the software, which later Amazing. on I figure out I could record longer. But at first okay. I only thought I could record one minute. So I did a show called 60 Seconds with Eric Newcomer, where really most oh of the God. joke was that the first 10 seconds and the last 10 seconds were like all intro and outro. So basically half the show was like me just be like, welcome to 60 Seconds with oh Eric God, Newcomer so and funny. I'm Eric Newcomer. And then there'd be like no content and then I'd be outroing and then there'd be the next episode. I don't know, 60 Seconds with Eric Newcomer or something would be, I think, my memoir. I love that. Where did you publish that? <laughs> I, I made um, CDs of it because that was sort of the yeah. era it was. And 
I would pass them out to people. And I have friends. I couldn't do it anymore, but I have friends. Episode 42 of 60 Seconds with Eric Newcomer is the singing episode. And I <laughs> sing. And I'm a terrible singer, as we've already established. Sure. And I have friends and people I don't even stay in touch with who I do think remember the lyrics to that song. Wow. It's only 60 seconds long. If you ever need another set of ears, just know that I would fall on that sword for you. I would be that second set uh, may- of ears. Maybe, maybe I'll send it to you someday. Yeah. Af- after our bridge club. After bridge club. After I've earned it. I need to really, I need, we need to demonstrate trust, my fealty. You know, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. When I was a child, I used to actually, I guess all the way up through college, I used to write music. I used to write songs. And I have a couple best friends who I know for a fact could sing the lyrics back to me of the first song I ever wrote in like fourth grade. That's so nice. Yeah, it's a nice feeling. It's wow. It is a really nice feeling. And I'm also just like, that's in your brain. That's just in there, you know, (laughs) probably forever at this point. Uh, I love 60 Seconds with Eric (laughs) Newcomer. Or you could even do like, that's funny. I think that's very funny for that to be the title of a book. Right. (laughs) It it raises a lot of questions. Okay. Wow. I can't wait to read it. Someday. (laughs) Someday. Eric, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for coming on Non-Technical. This was legitimately fun. I was like, oh man, (laughs) I'm serious. I was like, I like talking about work. I don't know all these personal questions. I don't think of myself as like, I don't know, high energy. Uh, I don't Mm -hmm. know, but these were good questions. I had a blast. Thank you. What a review. This was legitimately (laughs) fun. Eric Newcomer. (laughs) And please tell us, where can people find more about you? Newcomer, like the word, dot co is my sub stack. You can subscribe for $15 a month, $150 a year. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Newcomer. I write about startups and venture capital. It's not just uh, me talking about Harry Potter, but you can get some scoops, whatever. Stay in the loop. Highly recommend. I'm a subscriber and a follower. Thank you. Of course, of course. And you can find me at Yay Alexis Gay on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok or at Non-Technical Pod on Twitter. One more time, Eric, until we set up our 12-hour <laughs> bridge slash coffee slash Taylor Swift <laughs> slash Harry Potter deep dive on the Gryffindor main character energy. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. 